Hello and welcome back to the Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Hewitt from Castos, giving Matt a break from the podcast this week and brought on a special guest, Tony Merkel from the Confessionals Podcast. In this episode, I interviewed Tony to kind of hear his his origin story of how he went from driving a truck to being a full-time podcaster, running a membership site, and making a living and providing for his family as a podcaster. We say it in the episode, but it literally is living the dream. And in this episode, I'm happy to dive in and kind of peel back the onion of a lot of the things that seem really obvious and self-evident in Tony's journey of going from just an idea to quitting his job and being a full-time professional podcaster. There's a lot of nuance in the story that Tony tells here. So to tell the rest of the story, here's Tony Merkel from the Confessionals Podcast. So I'd love to, like, honestly, just, like, understand more about kind of how, like, where all this came from, where you are now. Like, this is your full-time deal. Sounds like your wife is involved, too. Like, t- tell me kind of the the Batman origin story and and kind of, like, where you are now. I was a truck driver, full-time truck driver, drove tractor trailers. Uh, I got my CDL when I was 21. I come from a father who's a truck driver. And uh, he never wanted me to drive truck. And then, uh, long story short, I wound up driving truck for the same company he's at. And so <laughs> he really uh, you know, didn't want to see it. But at the same time, he knew I needed to provide for the family. And I had to do what I had to do. And uh, it was good because my wife and I got married young. We were 21. And we didn't have kids for the first 10 years of our marriage. And so it was just her and I. And so, I mean, driving truck was more than enough. Then we were trying to uh, think about some things about as far as like when we had kids, how we were going to raise kids. And uh, she decided that she wanted to be a stay at home mom and and be hands on. And so uh, we were planning on starting a family. And I told her, I said, all right, we'll just quit your job. She really hated her job anyways. And so before we had kids, she quit her job and we were kind of testing the waters financially. And um, we were making it work, but I could see the writing on the wall that Long term, just the two of us, it would be tight. And then, you know, with a kid or two, it was going to be Tony has to get another job and driving truck. There's no way I can get a part time job and say, yeah, I'll be in at six o'clock tonight to work my part time job because I never know what I'm going to be done every day driving truck. I mean, one day it could be five, the next day it could be nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. So I had to figure out something I could do on the side to create an income. And a friend of mine who's like one of my best friends now, he contacted me. We didn't know each other at the time, but he had seen some stuff that I was doing on YouTube with paranormal type stuff. And, you know, just me kind of talking and thinking out loud and letting people into my mind. He told me, he said, you know, I think you should consider doing a podcast. And coming from him, who was a full time podcaster at that time, you know, I kind of listened to what he had to say. And I started podcasting maybe like three months later. Actually, it was on uh, January 17th, 2017. January 19th, 2017, I started. The Confessionals podcast, where it's a paranormal show where I sit around and I have conversations with ordinary people about their bizarre experiences they've been through in their life. And uh, we cover a wide range of topics. And I believe in that kind of stuff. And I, I thought, you know, there's TV shows all the time about this stuff. So clearly, there's people who have experiences and, you know, there's people who are interested in these topics. And I thought, you know, create a platform where ordinary people could just talk about what they've been through and kind of get it off their chest. And the show started growing and, and, you know, the whole time I was pursuing the podcast, it wasn't as much of a hobby as much as it was uh, me trying to generate something that maybe could turn into an income a few years down the road that I could help supplement my career as a truck driver and support the family. So I treated it very seriously from day one. I mean, I, I was working on the podcast probably right away, almost eight hours a day. 
I'd come home from work. I kissed my wife. I'd go upstairs. And a lot of times I didn't even know what I was doing. Like, I don't know what to do with podcasting. I, I just sat in front of the computer and start searching on, you know, internet search sites that, you know, how to start podcasting, how to fix this on my audio and just kind of piece by piece, listening to my show with a realistic ear and being like, okay, I don't like that about my audio. I want to fix that. How do I do it? And I started looking around and I would go to bed at two, three o'clock in the morning, get up at eight o'clock in the morning to go to work. And I did that right away. And uh, for the first year, we didn't have any kids that year in December our first child was born. And uh, it gave me you know, a whole year of podcasting pretty much where I could just solely focus on that. And my wife, you know, she was bought into the process too. And uh, I think from working so hard on it in the beginning, it gave me a good jump start. And the show started snowballing. I just started seeing like the emails starting to come in. And you know, I had a lot of people wanting to be on the show. And my focus started becoming, okay, I got something here. I got to keep it rolling. Like the ball's rolling downhill. Let's just keep it moving, keep the momentum going. And uh, we did a pretty good job doing that throughout the years. And it's gotten to the point now where the podcast gets uh, about 25 to 30,000 downloads a week on you know a new episode. So I put out a new episode on Tuesdays and that's a public show and that gets a bunch of downloads. And then on Thursdays, we put out member shows on the website initially. And that was a place where people could sign up to become a member, $7 a month. And they could get an extra show a week or any other content. And uh, it became pretty frustrating pretty quickly because it became evident that just having the website up with member episodes was not going to be enough for people as far as convenience goes. Then you had the text side of things where you know people are emailing you saying, the player's not working on my phone. Well, then you start thinking, okay, well, what's, what kind of phone do you have? And then you find out that Certain things aren't working right with Android phones and certain things aren't working right with iPhone phones, which usually isn't the case. iPhone usually was pretty good. And so I, I came up with so many solutions over the years trying to fix things. I started telling the Android users, try using DuckDuckGo because DuckDuckGo tends to work w- well with the Android phones. And What a mess though, right? Like having to manage all that. Absolutely. It, it was a mess. SoundCloud was, I thought, an option because... I started using the player and I turned on the option for people to hit a button and listen through the SoundCloud app. And I was like, okay, cool. We got an app now. And uh, it's easy. Just go to the website, you hit the button and redirects you to the the app. Problem is no Android phone would work like that at all. So all these years I had SoundCloud and it was a nice option for iPhone users, but the Android users, they never were able to use the SoundCloud app and SoundCloud themselves customer service was virtually non-existent, like literally no email, no phone number, nothing. So I'm paying for this service and I couldn't even contact anybody to ask you know, if they could fix something. And so that's when I was like, I need an app. I need an app for this show. And uh, I started looking into that. But as a podcaster who features ordinary people and their unique stories, I had to really worry about the piracy side of things. I can't have something that I'm putting out for members be able to you know, be downloaded and then shared on YouTube later for the world and rendering my business model useless. And I was looking into the app situation and I could not find a whole lot of solutions to help me. And it was about two years of searching until I found Cast. Oh, no. <laughs> it, this was not a slow process. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was a very slow process, I should say. And, when I found you guys and the partnership you guys had with member spaces, which I use for my website, I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I read their, their instructions on how to do everything through you know, member space sharing. And I was like, this is what I've been looking for, I think. 
And it was right underneath my nose the whole time. (laughs) That's really helpful, I think, to give kind of a background. And like for me personally, it's like a super inspirational story. You you follow a similar track that I did, which like started my first podcast while I still had a day job and ran it on the side and then started a business kind of associated with podcasting very much as a, a nights and weekends thing. And grew it to where it eventually kind of became my full-time job and then kind of that evolved into this. And so definitely get the like late nights, weekends, early mornings, stealing an hour away at work here and there to to work on stuff. I want to dive into something you glossed over and I know it it shouldn't be glossed over because this is where a lot of people struggle or, or they get to this point and then they they can't figure out how to make this work which is audience growth right you said you're you know 20 25,000 downloads an episode which is nothing to shake a stick at. i mean that's that's definitely like the the 1% of the 1% i think but that didn't just happen right that's not just creating great content i think great content is something you have to have to make that happen but can you talk about kind of things that you did and things that you learned along the way from like 2017 when you started to where you really felt like this was snowballing and and like people were coming in and you found a way to attract people to listen to your show. Because I think that's really the key to be able to then say, hey, this can be my full-time deal and I can charge money and this can be a real you know career. So right in the beginning of the, the podcast, when I was game planning the whole thing, as a truck driver, you're like, I'm the kind of person when I set my mind to do something, I'm really going to do it. You're not going to tell me I'm not going to do it. And I'm also the kind of person that if I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. And, (laughs) you know, my wife learned that pretty early on and she's kind of worked around me (laughs) on a lot of things. But uh, I'm driving down the truck, down the road in the truck all day, you know, three months before launching the show, thinking about what do I want out of the show? How do I want it to sound? And um, one thing about me is I I wound up going to college. I I didn't graduate, but I did wind up going to college for uh, pastoral ministry at one time. And so like the idea of public speaking and, and talking to people, I had in my head that I wanted to be, you know, loose, relatable, charismatic, you know, just kind of like, I want people to be able to not feel like they're listening to somebody reading a script or trying to teach them, like educate them on, you know, listen to my research. I wanted it to just be real conversation. And that's when it hit me. I was like, you know what? I want this to be like the paranormal of Joe Rogan podcasts just where you sit down with somebody, you talk with them about their life or whatever. I want the people to feel like they're just sitting down at a table with me and listening to two people have a conversation. And uh, I thought that was really attractive. It was for me as a listener podcast. So I started game planning. What can I do? And before I went to college, though, I was actually accepted into a school called Full Sail University. I was going to right out of high school, move to Florida. I was 17 years old, though, and they didn't have any dorms. I was like, that's not a good idea. And at Full Sail, I was going to study audio production. This was like a passion of mine. So like it was kind of like coming back full circle. But with being so into the audio recording side of things, one thing that I, I wanted to make sure from day one is that I had really good audio because I figured, you know what, if you're full of crap, but you really have good audio, it might take people three episodes to figure that out. And, and so you, <laughs> you get more downloads. So I, I started really focusing on the audio side of things. So that was appealing, I think, for a lot of people pretty much within the first month or so that I had decent audio and it progressively got better. And that helped retain people because it doesn't hurt their ears. They don't have that subconscious feeling of, oh, I'm going to hit play, but I know I'm going to have to turn it all the way up and kind of put my ear against the speaker to hear anything. So that was a focus. But then, like I said, mentioned earlier about how when I started, I was up late at night trying to find things to do. I was throwing mud against the wall, seeing what stuck. Part of that process was networking. 
And uh, there's other paranormal podcasts out there. There's people that are maybe interested in similar things or, you know, they would be a good guest to have because they have a huge following and uh, they kind of relate to these topics. And so I started reaching out to, you know, possible guests that could come on. But the big thing was networking with other content creators, YouTubers. I would shoot them an email and just say, hey, you know, my show is called The Confessionals. This is what I do. And I was wondering if you'd like to do some cross promotion. I'm open to suggestions. And, and I, you know, for every hundred emails you send, you get like two or three people back coming back to you saying, you know, yeah, sure. I remember distinctly the first one that I got that I was really excited about was a YouTuber. I think his channel was called Mr. Creepy Pasta, had over a million subscribers. And he said he would run a little, you know, 30, 45 second ad that I record for, you know, his YouTube video. And then he did. And I saw the process work at that point. I was like, oh, that this is actually something that, you know, people would do. They would, you know, do cross promotion. So sometimes it would be actually bringing them on my show and interviewing them and promoting their show. And they would do the same for me. Sometimes it would just be recording 30 to 60 minute clip of an advertising, literally like, you know, you produce, you put music in, you say, Hey everybody, my name is Tony Merkel. I'm from the Confessionals podcast. And, and you just, you know, advertise your show. And uh, you do swaps like that. Sometimes it would be pod swaps where you record one show and you both put it on your streams. But getting access to other people's audience, I thought was key. And that was what I really focused on. And you got to play the numbers game too. So if somebody has, let's just say somebody has 100,000 downloads a week on their podcast stream. Well, that's awesome. And you want you want to get in front of that audience. But you have to have a realistic expectation next week after that interview airs, you're not going to get 100,000 downloads because when you go there, you have to, one, bring it. I try to coach other podcasters and people who are aspiring to be podcasts what I did. It's a lot of work. So I know a lot of people wind up not doing it. But when you go on somebody else's show, you can't just be like, hi, I'm Tony. Yeah, I have a podcast. It's pretty cool. I'd love for people to check it out and just be kind of boring. You got to bring it. You got to like really bring the lacrity because what you're doing is you're advertising yourself and your show to that audience. And when you bring your A game, let's say there's 100,000 people, you're probably going to get maybe like 20, 10 to 20,000 people of that 100,000 that actually are interested in you. And just because they're interested in you doesn't mean they're going to leave this podcast or after it's over and go find you, seek you out, hit play, hit subscribe and start listening to your show. Of that 10 to 20,000 people, there's, a, there's even a smaller amount that actually do that. And then of that, that amount, they go and listen. And some of those people don't even like your show and they don't ever return. And so I realized doing that numbers game that you got to put the work in and you got to network with as many and anybody as possible. And so that's what I really focused on hard in the beginning. And I got away from it after a while just because the ball was rolling. And I and Craig, as you know, podcasting, as you get more into it, there's a lot of work to do. And I think sometimes people just think that maybe aren't podcasting that, you know, you just hit record, you record it and you publish it. And it's like, ah, there's a lot of stuff, it, not even just the, the production side of things, but it becomes a business and, and the social and all that stuff. So I kind of got away from it after a while. But recently I've been getting back into it because a lot of people have been asking me to come on their shows. And so I'm just kind of like making my rounds again and kind of gearing up for another push of networking because I think that's what really helps build the show. That's cool to hear. Yeah. I mean, I I think that podcasting and, and we tell customers and prospective customers this, it's easy to do a bad podcast, right? Because you just fire up Zoom like we're doing and you talk and then you publish it. And yeah, it's boring a lot of times. It's not, it doesn't sound interesting talking about like sound design and audio quality. The story isn't there. The person doing the interviewing hasn't done the research to be able to ask interesting questions. 
And then like, that's just the content creation side of it. And yeah, there's the business and marketing and promotion and networking and all of that stuff that, that honestly, like we, I hate to say we've seen enough of this, but like, we've seen enough customers to, to see patterns start being established where, yeah, the ones that take it really seriously and treat their podcast like a business are successful. You know, I don't know if it's like the chicken or the egg, but you treat this like a business and you, you're intentional about promoting your show and networking and getting your voice out there. And yeah, those are the shows like yours that have 100,000 downloads a month and that's a business. And the ones that just record and publish it, they kind of get what they put into it, I guess. Yeah. And I, I think one thing that I've noticed over the years is that the seriousness of reality when it comes to your your podcast and how you view it. If you are supported through a, a company like Wondery or you know, you're Rogan, you have all this money at first, fine. But somebody who's just starting, like I did, just starting a podcast, I'm a truck driver, I'm starting a podcast. That podcast is not going to have a chance if you're not honest with yourself about your podcast. There are a lot of people who start podcasts and they put out their first episode. They're very excited about it, which everybody is. And at that point, from that point, they never develop a critical ear to what they're doing and seriously have introspectiveness where they think, what can I do to make this even better? I like it now, but what can I do to make it even better? They just kind of ride that wave of emotion that it's a great podcast. And it's like not long run. Like you have to be serious about what can we improve? Like you have to be serious about yourself because if you're not, the audience will be, and they'll dictate ultimately by how many people are actually returning and listening to your show. So we're at this point where you have tens and twenties of thousands of downloads per episode, and you decide that you can kind of monetize the podcast directly and and kind of make a real business of this. What did that transition look like? Like, how did you go from we have the show to we're offering member specific episodes? Did you get a lot of like pushback from listeners saying, oh, I can't believe you sold out. And like, this is crazy that everything isn't free. Like, can, can you walk us through that evolution? Yeah, and that, that definitely happened. And I jumped a gun on it. You know, this is part of the learning curve. My first year, I think I was probably in October when I initially, I signed up with member space and I was offering member episodes because I literally made the decision because I was like, I have so many people that are emailing me, might as well monetize. And uh, it was too soon. The numbers of the show weren't there yet. So like you, like I said earlier, you're playing the numbers game, the fractions, it wasn't worth it to begin with. I was charging too much money. I had no idea how much I should be charging. And it just didn't go. So I dropped it. And then I wound up going to Patreon. And um, you know, along the way, even now, sometimes people will, will say something like, you know, you know, your show used to be good until you started charging for all the good content. And it's like, I, I always use this example. You don't go into a restaurant, a five-star restaurant, order the best food, eat it, love it, and walk back to that chef and say, hey, that was amazing, but I'm not paying for it. You don't go into an art gallery, love the best painting on the wall, pick it off the wall and say, this is amazing, and I'm not going to pay for it to the artist. You don't do that. And, and for whatever reason, when it comes to this kind of stuff, people just assume and think that whatever you're making sometimes isn't worth paying for. And I think the key is not changing certain things. So like, I never didn't give a free show a week. Every week on Tuesdays, there's a free show. Always has been, always will be. Anything extra is membership stuff. And so I moved to Patreon and it that was a, it was a nice option, you know. I had maybe like uh 250, you know, patrons, which, you know, wasn't bad. But I did notice that there were logistical nightmares on my end and on the consumer end because I couldn't even find my own content. Now, maybe Patreon has changed since then, but I couldn't find my own content because 
it was literally just pretty much a feed. And the only way to really find anything is if you tagged it ahead of time, you know, you have to scroll, scroll, scroll to find something. And so I bailed on that. And uh, I went to the memberships again with member space, that model. And I started building that way. But that was when I went into the second time around with member space, it was, um, I would say probably about two and a half, three years into podcasting when I finally went for real on monetization before it was like a feature. Like if you could support me, that'd be great. And the only thing I was, the only thing I was offering on Patreon, it wasn't extra content. I was just allowing people that they're a patron to be able to uh, watch me do the interviews they're going to hear in the future live. That's all I offered. And, you know, I think that wasn't very special because people could say, well, I'm going to hear it anyways in the future and it's going to be produced. It's going to sound better, you know? And so the, the trick for me was, going to my own website where people felt like they could go to the place they love and settle in and listen to content that they're never going to hear anywhere else. And that's like I mentioned earlier about the piracy issue. The benefit with my show is that for 95% of the people that are on my show, they're just ordinary people, everyday lives that contact me. You're never going to hear their story anywhere else. I mean, it's not like I have a researcher on where, oh, I don't want to pay for that. So I'll just YouTube it you know, through this podcast. You're not going to hear it anywhere else. And so people really, really kind of settled into this idea of memberships where they get to hear more of the show they love of a unique story that they're not going to hear anywhere else. And that seemed to really kind of help pick up steam, you know, with the monetization side. But, you know, to answer what you said earlier and stuff, I mean, yeah, I think there's always going to be people who don't appreciate your effort and just want to diminish it. They're happy to consume it for free. But if you decide that you think that, you know, it might be worth pursuing monetization, there's going to be the naysayers. And uh, I think that the whole troll side of things, most podcasters and content creators aren't built to to handle that at first. You, nobody, Nobody knows how to deal with that kind of stuff until you're in the fire and you start figuring it out. And any word of advice to people, I would say, just learn how to ignore it as fast as possible. Just know your heart. And if you're doing something that you feel is pure and you're, and you're just trying to you know, be a kind person, you're doing the best you can, the people who want to hate on you, just ignore them because it's not worth your headspace or bandwidth. Yeah, that's really good advice. It, it is hard to kind of accept and implement that I think on a lot of fronts with, with doing anything in public, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I have a hard time with it. Sometimes I'm not, actually not like a huge social media person. Cause it's, it's tough to, to face some of the, the challenge there, I think, but I think everybody has their, has their avenue for, for kind of expressing themselves. For me, it's podcasting. Like, you know, we, I run three different podcasts, right. And so that's the way that I'm able to do it. And so I think that's that's just one thing I would add there is like, it's not Twitter for everyone, right? It's it's Facebook, it's a community, it's a podcast, it's a YouTube channel. Find your place where you're comfortable creating the content and are comfortable in the kind of level of of engagement that that comes with that, I guess. Yeah, I tend to gravitate towards Instagram for me personally, just because it's more tame. People are there for pictures and videos. So like, <laughs> they're not there to, you know, like on Facebook with a long forum of, you know, 10 paragraphs of why you suck, you know? <laughs> so uh, it's it's a little bit more gentle for me on Instagram. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Do you think that that is conducive to the type of content that you talk about or, or the format that you publish there? Like you're doing Instagram stories or is it mostly just like still image based or or like why why do you think Instagram for you? Well, for me personally, I have my own personal feeling of I just enjoy Instagram more. But for the consumer side of things, we do a mix of a lot of things. I think, to be honest with you, I think we could do social media a lot better. 
me and my wife run the whole ship here and uh, we're trying our best. But I think that there, we don't, I don't, I don't know if we totally understand the ins and out of social media enough to capitalize on the little nuances that could help you grow and stuff on social. But I think on our Instagram, we have probably like 8,500 people following us. And uh, what we do is we put out pictures, videos, memes. You know, sometimes I'll make a meme with my face on the character moving around and stuff. Instagram stories, like just literally last night at midnight, I made an Instagram story. And, and it's, the stories can be creative. I mean, for instance, I took, a, I took a screen recording of, you know, shooting video on my phone of the Castos app. And this Thursday today was the first time that I launched a member show on the Castos app. And so at midnight that went live. And so at midnight, I made a screenshot of me on the app, scrolling to the episode, hitting play and letting it play for 10 seconds. And I put that on the Instagram stories for people to see that we have our first member episode on the app, you know, things like that. So, I mean, it gets people excited, but engaging people as well in the comments sections, you know, just, you know, letting, when they say, I love the show, tell them you love you, love them for loving the show, you know, when you see it. I mean, you can't just be hawking comments all the time that you won't get anything done. But for me, at least, I try not to ever feel like I'm above the comments. Like Rogan doesn't have to do that. I mean, <laughs> but uh, me, listen, like I appreciate the listeners and I want them to know I appreciate them, especially if they say, hey, I love you. I want to say I love you for loving me, you know, so, you know, show that support and stuff. So I don't know. I'm probably not answering the question much, but that's kind of how we run uh, Instagram. No, that's cool. That's good to hear. And I may mean, think, you know, talking about Rogan, like Rogan is not going to be Rogan forever because not him specifically, but like those top creators become complacent, right? And and folks like you who are hungry and are doing things the right way are are catching up with them all the time, I think. And it's, I think it's just amazing from my perspective, both as like a creator and like from a platform level, the things we see people doing to really gain ground very quickly on some of these big creators is is awesome because it kind of levels the playing field and democratizes the opportunities that we all have. And like your story is a, is a perfect example of that. It's just fascinating. Like I think 10 years ago, this was not a thing at all. Right. And now, yeah, I mean, going from doing whatever to being a professional podcaster and that being your thing, you wake up and do every day is it's like a dream, right? Like you never would have thought this was possible a few years ago. No, I mean, I was sitting upstairs in the living room with my wife last night after we ate dinner and the kids are playing and stuff. And I just told her, I was like, you know, I don't know what the future holds. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it could be just a blip on the radar, but as long as this life lasts where things are working like this for us, I want to enjoy every second of it. I mean, th this is absolutely amazing. amazing. And I really do like driving truck. Like it's fun for me. And so if I ever one day have to, you know, go back to driving truck, it's not the end of the world for me, but this being able to be around my three-year-old, my one-year-old, my wife, and my, like I said earlier, my wife's a stay-at-home mom. So like we're all underneath the roof at, at the same time. This is absolutely awesome. And no, for anybody thinking, I'm not getting tired of my wife. And she, <laughs> she's not getting tired of me. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm down in the studio during the day working a lot. And so we do have that kind of separation and stuff. So we're not on each other's nerves, but it, it's, been, it's been absolutely amazing. And uh, one of my things is I, I just want to be a, a very available parent coming from a dad who was a truck driver, you know, I barely saw him and that was probably for the best sometimes because him and I would clash a lot. And uh, I didn't want that for my kids. I wanted my kids to know who I was. I wanted to know who they were, especially as they got older and uh, be more available. And uh, podcasting has offered that for us, at least momentarily. And I'm trying to be very real realistic though. You just, I don't want to take anything for granted. I got to keep working. I got to keep grinding. 
because I, I I'm the kind of person if I if I kind of put it on cruise control at this point, I feel like I'm going backwards. And so I just got to keep moving forward. Yeah. And I, th- I think you're spot on. And I think that I don't get the sense that you will put it on cruise control and that's absolutely the right, the right way to go. Tony, I want to circle back to something you said earlier that really kind of struck chord with me, which is, you know, people come to my website and they settle in and they listen to content. Can you talk about the things that you do on the site? And I know, so your site is on Squarespace, right? And you use member space as your membership kind of management platform there. But can you talk about the things that you do on the site to to create that kind of like warm and welcoming feeling? Because I think that's really important when you look at like a membership platform. Yeah. And so anybody who doesn't know, Squarespace allows you to design your own website. And I'm not a website designer. I literally, early stages of podcasting, I was maybe like four or five weeks in, I didn't have a website and it just hit me. I should probably have a website because this is all digital and I need to have something that's my storefront. And so I created the website myself and I've had it ever since. And it's not like the most amazing, but you know, for somebody who doesn't know what he's doing, you, know, you figure it out over time. So when I was doing the memberships, I didn't want to just do, okay, here's your show. And you know, have this like list of shows that just you know, one after another, it's boring. It's just boring to look at. It's not welcoming. And so on the main site, I have a homepage where there's past uh, shows, there's the blog listing. There's the episodes. It, it's just it's fun to look at. It's it's set up in a way where it's a homepage, and then you can dig into the website and it's layered from there. Well, I wanted to replicate that on for the members. So there at the top of the page, there's a you know a tab called members. And if you were to hit there's a it, there's a drop down menu. But if you were to hit just members, or when the drop down menu happens, members home. It redirects you to the member homepage where there's a video. It's a 30 second video of an advertisement of a YouTube show. YouTube show I'm doing. There's a a playlist. There's a mix that I made of these because I I became known for having like real high energy mashups and mixes and stuff at the end of my show as an outro song. So I I made a mix for people. There's a playlist of all the overtime shows I do, which is added stuff. So like there's the member shows on Thursdays, but then sometimes on Tuesdays. I'm talking to somebody who has a lot of his stuff and it goes longer than it's going to go longer than an hour. So what I do is I created an overtime section for members where we do like always the first hour, we do an hour show for Tuesdays and then the extra hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours goes on the overtime section for the members. And so there's a playlist of all the overtime shows I've done. And then as you scroll down every week, I update this section where it just shows the that Thursday member show. And then underneath it, it shows... Every, it updates uh, and scroll. It's like a scroll bar with uh, past ep- episodes for members. And then there's past live shows that I've done on video with call-ins and things like that. And that's just the, the homepage. And then as you go through it, there's the member episodes. And when you click on the member episodes, that's where the, that list kind of pops up. But it, every episode is its own blog post. So like there's a list of the titles. You click on it and then it opens up a new page where there's the player for that episode. There's the description. There's the, the, the show art. And then, you know, comments. There's a comment section. And I think that's huge. I, I've seen people who don't have comments available on their website. You want to be able to retain people wherever you're trying to get them to go. You want them to be able to retain. You want to retain them there as long as, long as much as possible. And so the best way to do that, in my mind, is the comments uh, because they say something that somebody else says something, and there's a conversation going, and you have nothing to do with it. Like you're not talking; they're just engaging with each other. And when I see members 
you know, people who listen to my show engaging with each other and I'm not even part of the conversation, it like warms my heart, makes me feel like I have kids that are playing together nicely, you know? (laughs) So (laughs) it's great. And then uh, another thing that I offer is a forum section, which kind of replicates on a bigger scale the whole uh, the comments. And uh, members, when they sign up for the forum, they have access to creating topics and the whole thing. I mean, it's literally my forums that I use. They're like um, Facebook, you know, 2010 ish, you know, where there's instant messaging. You can actually DM or like live chat with me. You can live chat with other you know, forum members. There's the private messenger. There's like a lot of different things you can do. It's kind of like a like a cheap uh old school type of social network without the the money that that, that backs. Right. <laughs> and that's something that, you know, I could do better at. I don't really engage a ton in the forums. You know, I, I split so much of my time up that forums tend to kind of fall to the wayside. But then over the time, people themselves, they're still in there. They're still doing their thing. And it's when you realize that you are building something that is sustainable in the sense that people don't necessarily need you all the time in order to be there. They can kind of survive on their own because they enjoy the environment and they enjoy the people. And so that was like the whole goal to begin with is to create a membership section where people just felt like this is a landing spot. It's not just hit and play, but I can hit the comment section of that episode. I can go to the forums. It's easy to look at. It doesn't hurt my eyes. It's not hard to find things. I think that was key for me to making sure that the website was welcoming enough that people are like, oh, this is great. Because you don't want people saying, this sucks. I'm not, I'm never coming back here again, you know? So yeah, that that's kind of like the whole mindset behind it for me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool to hear kind of the the mindset and the the kind of pieces you have in place there. I think it's really helpful for folks considering doing the, a similar kind of thing. So that's that's cool. Thanks for sharing that. Tony, is there anything else you would like to share just around like where you are, kind of what maybe is in the future or things like for other folks who are interested in pursuing a similar path that they might take away? I would say feel free to dream. I don't know how old people are typically when they're starting podcasts, but I imagine most of them are adults because kids are probably playing video games. And so many times as adults, we get caught up in the nine to five and we are just so focused on paying the bills and making things work as far as the house, real life happens, divorces happen, finances, all that, that we've kind of, I think, forget to how to dream, but that it's okay as an adult to dream. Now, I'm a prime example of this. I was 31, I think, when I started podcasting and talking about paranormal stuff, ghostly stuff, UFOs, aliens, Bigfoot. I'm a truck driver. Like I'm not I'm not working in a soft environment. And there's the guys at work. They're teasing me. They're they're like, what are you talking about? Bigfoot? Like it's just like I, I was like, you know what? I'm on a different level than these guys. Like I'm okay with dreaming. I'm okay with trying to better my life. You guys, there's there's guys here been been here for 30 years and that's that's fine. But I think a lot of times we forget how to dream and that it's okay to have dreams and pursue things in life as we get older. And uh, I just kept on grinding on that and stuff. And I don't stop on that. Like the podcast, The Confessionals is was the launching point of me publicly saying, I'm stepping outside this box. I'm stepping outside the system. I'm not going to just accept and settle that I'm a truck driver and that's it. I'm just a dumb truck driver by myself driving down the road. I knew I could offer more to the world. And so the confessionals was a launching point for that. But since then, I started a second podcast called Hammer Lane Legends, where me and my dad, every Sunday, we come into the studio and we interview other people who are in the transportation industry and they share crazy, wild experiences from the road. And uh, we're doing that show. And and that was a dream because one, we get to work together, me and my dad, we talk about trucking and it's just a fun show. 
and then I had this idea to start Legion of Legends for YouTube, our YouTube channel on for the confessionals, where I take the ideas that we've heard about for years on the confessionals, these different stories, these legends, and I go out hunting for them. And so right now I'm accumulating camera equipment and things like that. Next Friday, I'm going into an overnight situation where me and my brother are spending a night in an old World War II prisoner of war camp in the middle of the woods out in nowhere. And you know, people are like, well, what if something happens? I'm like, that's the freaking point, yeah, you right. know? But, <laughs> like, but like all this stuff stems from dreaming, you know? I, I like working with audio production stuff. I, that was a, the initial dream out of high school. I wanted to be a music producer. Well, I didn't, I'm now a podcaster, but there's other people who have, you know, shows that maybe need some help audio wise. Well, I produce other people's podcasts as well. I also, I have like a, a little side business. I don't really advertise. It's not really for advertising purposes, but it's a media company where I approach people who I think that they have great content. They have a lot to say. They don't have a podcast, but they really could be a podcaster if they wanted to be. And I approach them and I say, listen, like you have a following, you have a lot of good things to say. I like the way you, you relay your message when you're on other people's podcasts, like say you're an author. I think you should consider starting a podcast. And I do those kind of things and I help build take people's, you know, knowledge and and they're already they're already there. They already have the content. They just don't know the audio side of things. And so they're not podcasters. And I give them that platform and we start podcasting and you know, I build their shows for them anywhere from the intros to the production of the weekly shows, building the outros, getting it uploaded and shot out to the world, all that stuff. I take care of it all for them because it's not their thing but they really could be podcasters if they wanted to be. And that's where I kind of come in. So that was a dream. And so I guess my thing is this, like those are some things that I'm doing and it all stems from me being comfortable in my own skin as an adult with a family and saying, you know what? I'm a truck driver, but I can be more than a truck driver and having that dream and just pursuing it. And you're going to have people tease you along the way. They're not going to believe in the dream. Nobody believes in everybody's dream all the time, but do you? And just keep pushing forward. Keep your blinders on, head down, and just keep going. And I'll just I'll share this quick story real quick. I did this I did this one time. It wasn't the best use of money. Let's be, just be honest. But um, as a truck driver, the guys are teasing me and everything. And the show's growing. And uh, I didn't have a ton of money, but I was just so fed up with the guys at work that I had this idea. I'm driving down the highway and I, I see billboards. And I'm like, oh, I know what I'm doing. So for the month of October, Halloween month, I'm a paranormal show. I took out a digital billboard right at the on-ramp where all our trucks get onto the highway in the morning, like 60 drivers every morning. For the entire month, they had to see my advertisement on the highway. And it was like, they're like, dude, I saw your advertising, your, your billboard, this, that, and the other. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, it's going that well. I mean, it wasn't going as well as I was portraying, but I was like, yeah, man. Yeah, it's going real. It was my big middle finger to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I was just like, you know, I, I just have to do this just to rub their face in it because they tease me for so many years and things are starting to go well for me. And I just got to do it, you know? No, it's, it's probably made a lot of them kind of reconsider their their stance on it, right? So you, you probably did them a favor in a, in a way. I'll tell you, my last week driving truck, when the guys found out that I'm I, I'm going to do this full time, there were guys who were like, that takes a lot of cojones, man. And I was like, no, it doesn't because I've been working like this as a full-time job, essentially. I was putting that kind of effort into it from day one. So it's not like this happened overnight for me. But there, there were guys that were just so celebratory with me. I couldn't believe it. I mean, the last two weeks of me being there, 
all these guys were just coming up and like, dude, man, you worked so hard these years. And I know it teased you and, and, and all this stuff, but you freaking did it, man. And I, I think that's really cool. And uh, it was really cool to see the, the, the transformation of people's mindsets. I can't tell you how many guys at work, my last week there is like, how do I find your podcast? <laughs> that's awesome. I'm just like, uh, well, why don't you just start off with Hammer Lane Legends? Because that's a trucking podcast. I think you'll like that a little bit more. So, but yeah, it, it's been uh, it's been very interesting. That's awesome. That's awesome. I can imagine a lot of folks will have questions and want to kind of reach out to connect with you after hearing this story. What where's the where's the best place and, and best way to get in touch? Yeah, the best thing is to email me. I have the longest email in the world. I could have done better at that point. But um, the email is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. I get tired of typing it. So I imagine people are tired <laughs> tired of hearing it. But theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. You can email me and uh, reach out with questions and stuff. My wife gets all the emails first and stuff. But uh, she knows that with certain things, like if somebody's asking for advice or you know thoughts or something, she passes it on to me. And I'll get back to you and uh, try to help people if they have any questions on how to build a podcast. And I'll do my best I can because I I believe giving back to the community. I mean, I know the kind of effort I put in. And it's like, I'm just going to tell you what I did. And I know there's because I've seen it before. There's people who once they find out the kind of work I put in, they're like, "Ah, maybe it's not for me. But the people who do put the work in and they start trying listen, you, I, I got a friend now. I got an ally. I got somebody in the podcast industry pursuing hard work and we're allies. So I don't have to worry about, you know, I could always just say, Hey, you know, you want to come on my show? Can I come on your show? It's always good to have friends in this industry. And so for me, I think it's just a smart thing business-wise and just being a kind person to help people when you can. Tony, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for taking some time to chat through this. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. 